0: Now the difference between advice and consultancy is quite critical because consultancy is in writing, and you you have to be totally responsible for your written word.
1: Hello, hello everyone, and happy New Year! And welcome to episode 16 from Pot and Garden Podcasts. I'm Geoff Elphick a gardener from Gloucestershire in England. And in this episode, I'm talking to Alan Sargent, who's a garden consultant and owner of the Landscape Library, an online resource for consultants, designers, and landscapers. As usual, let me quickly slip in a mention for my lovely sponsor, my Windowbox who supply a wide range of period style and modern window boxes in aluminium and steel, with drop-in or freestanding troughs to match, take some time to have a look at their website, go to mywindowbox.com and bring the garden to your window. Now this episode has to be dedicated to Peter Seabrook, who sadly died last week. One of the best known gardeners of his generation, renowned for his work ethic, encouragement to the younger generation, and for his prolific writing, Peter was working right up until the day he died. The response to his death within the industry has been incredible, with everyone who met him having a story to tell. Our condolences go out to his family. I start my conversation by asking Alan when he started in the horticultural
0: industry. In 1968, coming up 54 years.
1: Yeah, now, I mean, I haven't got room in the show to uh, read out all of your CV, but, uh, I mean, you've... Taken part in over 60 rhs show gardens um i think for about eight years you were an rhs judge um you've been a founder of well so many things professional garden consultants association um school of garden management um it it it, it goes on um you've been a little bit busy alan
0: (laughs) i had um, 17 years with barley i joined barley in 1978 yeah, and then in 1995, I left Bali and founded the Association of Professional Landscapers, or the APL, mm-hmm. and um, we never looked back from there, really.
1: Yeah. Now, of course, the real reason I've got you here is because there's an amazing uh, resource that you've made available on the internet called the Landscape Library. Um,
0: who who is it? Who's it aimed at? well uh, i chose the title landscape library in preference to like the garden library because really i originally and still am aiming at uh, trying to talk to if you like um, head gardeners senior gardeners uh, owners of um, landscape companies garden designers uh, talking if you like at the management um, end of the uh, end of the scale because with my work, I'm an expert witness. Um, sort of do virtually all the time now, and so I see so many problems going through the courts and so on. I do about a hundred hundred cases a year, which is uh, no, two a week's quite yes. considerable. <laughs> and so I, I try to try to get a message across. It's the wrong 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 phrase totally, but try and help people not to get into trouble. And I've been doing that now for around about ten years with my with my writing. Uh, written for 10 years, um, started in 2012 with the Horticultural Week. I have a regular column there, um, which, you know, it's great fun doing that. In fact, um, uh, for the third year this year, I've won the, uh, or been a finalist in the Garden Media Guild uh, Awards as Columnist of the Year. Uh, What I'm really pleased with that is because, of course, it means that, you know, I won it in 2014, 2016, but to feel that, no, I'm still relevant to that in 2021 it's, it's just it's great for me great for my you know for my enthusiasm yes it must
1: spur you on now um, now you mentioned the expert witness um, position that you you hold um, but garden consultancy is also quite an important part of what you do and in fact one of the sort of headings of one of the uh, uh, one of the headings on the on the site is um consultancy matters now what does that cover
0: well consultancy is a a very very broad brush as you know when i founded the um the professional garden consultants association in 2016 uh we very quickly um had you know 80 members all of whom are really at the top of their tree but in individual Um, specialisms, and so if you consider the broad brush in in the the world of horticulture, that's not surprising, but there are a a number of us, uh, seven in fact, uh, in the PGCA, Mm -hmm. who specialise in doing um, court work and dispute issues. Now, this goes on, it's much more profound, if you like, than than being a, a garden consultant, because consultancy is one of those things that we're all garden advisors when we go and talk to people in their garden we're advising them now the difference between advice and consultancy is quite critical because consultancy is in writing and you you have to be totally responsible for your written word advice you just give advice and it's just lost uh put it in writing and it becomes much more serious so this is why the, the 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 section in the library is talking about responsibilities, liabilities and so on. These are very heavy words, but just to give the message across that to become a professional consultant is, in fact, quite a profound move uh, and one you should take great care to uh, ensure that you're, that you're treading the right path.
1: Yes, so anybody that look, should look at that um, will be guided, I guess, by your words as to how to go about behaving, how to go about becoming a garden consultant.
0: That's right. Yeah, it's all. It's all. It sounds. It sounds rather vague in a way. But when you actually see the way it's all set out, how to do it, how to approach a customer, how to let the customer approach you, uh, how to uh, negotiate your way, if you like, through some quite profound situations, and still be an advisor, a consultant to to your client. Now, uh, the consultancy goes on much more than that. Um, personally, I do. Uh, various um, management consultants for uh, places such as um, Harrow Boys' School and um, uh, Oxford University. Um, the you know, I have a number of, of major gardens, major sites, Cadogan Estates, uh, in, and uh, Welcome Trust in London. People like that that that, that employ me um, on a bespoke, uh, ad hoc basis. Yes, to to solve. To, come in basically somebody said the other day i'm what they call in emergency smashed glass and, and that's me
1: <laughs> you have a little hammer hanging down by the side yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so do, do people take you on uh contractually for for a year or do you turn up as and when required
0: you tend to get picked up by people it's a bit like i've seen the first the first job i did um uh, was actually for welcome trust in the really heavyweight brigade, and because I I didn't make a mess of that, in fact, no, they were very happy with it. And then you get passed on because you're working for management companies, uh, uh, the major management companies like Knight Frank and so on. Yes. Sorry. For, and and so you then get passed on to Savills, and then you get passed on to somebody else, and and, and that's the way it goes. You just get, you just move along as people move away and join other businesses then they just take you with them yes so you just find that you're being recommended uh, almost uh, you know without any knowledge of your own you're just you just being recommended
1: <laughs> so you're not having to take out half pages in gardens illustrated or
0: anything like that <laughs> no no i've always been very anti-advertising you know uh I, you know even when the days of yellow pages if i could have put a sign on the back of the van saying, you won't find me in the yellow pages. Uh, that's the sort of, that's the way I've always operated. It's, and the same, I like was, with my son, James, who runs Aaron Landscapes. I mean, they're a major, major uh, award-winning company. They won about 70 awards. Yes. They're not even, in the, not even in the phone book. <laughs> and, and that's the sort of image that that, that he's got. Yeah. for his work people find him that he doesn't have to find work
1: perfect now from one sort of form of advice to another um another section in the landscape library is for garden designers and design and build um broadly what what, what does that cover
0: well garden designers uh, are, i think are a, a separate breed than Design and build simply because garden designers are are, are on their own and and they're working uh, with with hopefully with with good with good contractors and so on. Design and build is is certainly uh, in the advent of CDM construction design management regulations. The uh, design and build company they've got it all in one package, and designers have to work with, within the CDM framework uh, as independents, and then they hand over to contractors design and build they have the whole package and they start one into the other of a project so there's quite a wide um, variety of advice required for for the two different disciplines
1: yeah now i mean one of the things i noticed that you talk about there are where garden designers supply plants and perhaps where garden designers supply plants and then there's sort of the the knock-on the ramifications then for the for the landscapers
0: Well, it gets very complicated, actually, because uh, unless you've got your terms and conditions accurately set out, you may have noticed in the landscape library, there are outside the paywall, there are three sets of um, terms and conditions, one for uh, maintenance contractors, one for landscape contractors, and one for garden designers. Now, if a minute a garden designer moves away from being just a designer and starts getting involved in the contractual side and starts supplying and planting plants, then the designer really should be looking at having terms and conditions as a contractor because the um, the liabilities and responsibilities are much you know a, a lot different shall we say you, you you've got to um, you've got to make sure that you're covered insurance wise and, and a whole range of other things so garden designers supplying plants uh, and planting brilliant but just make sure that you've got all your terms uh, and conditions all set out so that you don't go and fall foul and I'm sure that most garden contractors, especially the hard landscapers, are more than happy to see um, to not have to get involved in mucking about with plants.
1: Yes, yeah. Now you mentioned liability, but also another thing you cover in that section is indeed public liability insurance. you You talk about that, don't you?
0: Public liability insurance and public indemnity. let's go back, let's go back. public uh, public liability insurance should must be linked. With employers liability insurance because you really need to have both if you're working on your own and even if you're working on your own anybody gives you a hand you know you, you, your granddad comes out to give you a hand mm-hmm. on, on a job you have to have insurance for that person so you just take out employers liability insurance as well as public liability insurance but indemnity insurance is a lot different beast as you know uh, you are then responsible for the design element And I said, looking at the construction design management regulations 2015, which are a brilliant, brilliant guide for for designers and for contractors. If you follow CDM regs, you won't go wrong.
1: Now, some other things you talk about that we won't go into detail. You talk budgets. Um, You've got a brilliant design um, or designers workflow chart that I think is going to be really useful to people. Um, You talk about warranties and uh, using reclaimed materials one thing i was quite i haven't looked at but i was tempted by the uh by the the headline was the cautionary tales japanese knotweed <laughs>
0: what, what, what's the story there <laughs> uh, i think that particular cautionary tale because um strangely enough i've got one firm of solicitors in the midlands who send me nothing but um japanese knotweed inquiries and i keep saying to them you know i do a lot more things other than that <laughs> but i i'm the i'm the I'm their knotweed expert, which is fine, and they just keep sending me things through. Now, this particular one, uh, that particular story in there, was a, uh, a very, very expensive case—a 140,000-pound like claim—where a surveyor had gone into a site and hadn't fully appreciated the fact that there was Japanese knotweed on site. He went in in the in the, uh, in the uh, sorry in the uh, in the winter in December, December January. He couldn't see any. He didn't actually go upstairs and look through the windows <laughs> to see the Japanese knotweed um, stalks yes. uh, in next door. So ah. you hadn't actually done a, a proper job. Now the that particular one, obviously, is cautionary tale for garden designers, please go and check not just the site itself, but check check the ground beyond. Mm-hmm. You can have another um, cautionary tale. There was somebody uh, uh, near Dorking um, where the, the whole case uh, involved the name of a property because the property was called Sidonia um, and the, uh, the the owners thought when they had some they thought that Sidonia was in fact Japanese knotweed. I have no idea why but because of the name of a property that the property was condemned because people thought it was Japanese knotweed. this is some of the sort of crazy world that you get involved in when you start a consultancy great fun yes.
1: Yes, I'll, I'll remember that. I'll, I'll name my house. Uh, what is it? Philopia, isn't
0: it? <laughs> or <something? laughs> phobia or I- Sorry, I, no, I'm wrong. Sorry, it, it wasn't Sydenham. It was Japonica. Japonica. Oh, because right. that, the house—it was J- Japonica Cottage. That's right. Yes. I nearly bought that story, didn't I? <laughs> because it was called Japonica. Uh, then I had to explain to them Japonica means Japanese. And yes. So yeah. that, that was a, an, another major case, which. Um, it, we should never have even gone anywhere near core, All based on a name of a cottage.
1: Yeah. Now, um, uh, there was a section that particularly interested me, having been in a, a number of these positions before, where you uh, you give advice to head gardeners and, and senior gardeners. Um, now, I mean, you know, you you even cover the sort of detail down to you know, the sort of uh, facilities you sh- should have available, like uh, a mess room, you know, a can- not a canteen, but, yeah, a mess room. Um, that was quite interesting. What sort of advice do you give to people about
0: well, that? Well, because um, I, I, I was for many years a landscape contractor, she you at 60 RHS show gardens, 37 as designer, and um, I got off that merry-go-round in 2001 mm-hmm. uh, by invitation um, to become head gardener at Goodwood, Goodwood Estate. Now, when I took on that job, and I really, really loved Goodwood, I lived quite close to it. So, to me, it was a, a dream come true to actually have a, a major property that I could do something with and not you know, with, with show gardens. It's build it and trash it, build it and mm-hmm. trash it. And I really wanted to do something. You know, I was 54 years old then, and I wanted to do something more tangible, shall we say. And so when I started the one, I suddenly realised that nobody's going to give me any induction because nobody had a clue what head gardeners should be doing. <laughs> Strangely enough, that um, they just didn't know what head gardeners did. So I was aware of being thrown at the deep end at this major estate. Uh, and so when I I left there, I'd been left for oh, five years, I suppose at the time. In 2012, I wrote the Head Gardener's Survival Manual. That's the first of four survival manuals that I wrote. And the Head Gardener's Survival Manual was great fun. It was picked up by the Horticultural Week, hence I started writing for them. Uh, and, and also Peter Seabrook, wonderful Peter Seabrook. He picked up on this straight away. And um, because nobody's ever written a book for head gardeners before. Mm-hmm. And it was a not how to be a head gardener. I would never do that. But it was how not to get into trouble, and 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 to basically how to to take on the job from day one. All the lessons I learned, I put in that book, uh, and it's still, you know, still selling well now all these years later. And I've never seen a copy on eBay. So either there's a lot of them <laughs> holding up for uh, coffee mugs in tea sheds somewhere, or, or people are, are hanging on to them.
1: Yeah. Now. Um... I mean, not only do you give advice to gardeners, you you also give advice to people who are wanting to appoint a head gardener, don't you?
0: Yes, uh, I read a book called Buying a Garden, which is, uh, uh, I thought that, again, because I see so many people get into so much trouble because they, haven't properly appointed um the professionals in their in their garden and when you know you're inviting somebody into your garden for maybe six months maybe a year costing quarter of a million hundred thousand ten thousand mm. and they're, they're doing it in such a amateurish way you really get you get cross with the general public for being so stupid sometimes <laughs> uh, and they all should know better because they watch television and they see all these rogue trader programs um, but i'm not trying to have a go at, at anybody at all there but I just set the whole process out how to approach and then engage a garden designer how to approach and engage a contractor and to take the whole thing through from from beginning to end so uh, literally from beginning to end and the, the even the initial site survey uh, the, the, all the logistics involved um the preliminaries and and it's just everything's there if you, if you look at it in in from beginning to end every minor detail from beginning to end, then the whole storyboard is there, and you don't get into trouble. You you don't get any nasty surprises. Yes. Now, once you've appointed
1: that head gardener, one thing that made me suddenly sit up were head gardeners' legal responsibilities.
0: Oh yes, oh yes. um There's a big difference between a head gardener and a gardens manager. Uh, I actually wrote a book called Head Gardener or Gardens Manager. Um, and just to explain the difference between the two and i I wrote this for a purpose somebody uh, asked me to do it and so i just um turned it into a book and the responsibilities of a head gardener are a lot different from a garden's manager but the responsibilities are still very great and the responsibilities obviously include the the health and safety of the staff but much more than that it's it's everything to do with the uh, the the site management the use of chemicals in you know, the whole the whole gamut of responsibility lies on the lap of the person in charge and that is the head gardener or gardens manager
1: people looking at your site don't just have to put up with you because you've got a
0: number of guest writers haven't you i have indeed delighted to have uh, guest writers on board gareth wilson who's a brilliant uh, brilliant expert witness but he specializes in hard landscaping he's the uh, number two at the landscape academy up in chester he's a very very clever lad lad he's coming he's over 50 um, and neville stein who's a great friend of mine he talking on management issues uh we got some um, uh, marie shawcross who's doing uh, writing on on gardens and compost and uh more shall I, garden-esque subjects uh and the the, the brilliant um, Sam Hassel of Landpro writing on um, uh, facts and figures and uh, a really good team. Everybody's all working together as a good team. We try and do something different each time. We're not replicating anything. We're not trying to to, um, to just keep writing for the sake of it. There's so much to do. When I first um, was lucky enough to be Involved with the um, Charter Institute the Horticulture, or the old IOH as it was in 1984, I went to the first ever AGM at Kew and um, I, I sat in the room full of some amazing, amazing people, uh, really amazing people, these professors and people that I've been on awe on for all these years, and uh, and, and I, I, I realised that between us, we knew only a tiny percentage of what there is to know in horticulture and that's quite a sobering thought and i've always had that sobering thought nobody knows it all nobody ever can know it all but if i can help somebody to not get into trouble that's the idea of a landscape library
1: yes so uh, are there any holes that you're filling at the moment you can tell us about or will we have to wait and
0: see well there's a particular hole that i'm working on at the moment which i have just, just finished is in fact on the next um, subject of artificial grass in domestic gardens. Oh,
1: yeah, hot hot topic at the moment, isn't
0: it? Yes. A very hot topic at the moment. But the reason I've written this, is an installation standards guide and specification for artificial grass in domestic gardens. Um, Because, again, so many people are getting into trouble with poor install installations. And obviously, I, I see it very much from the point of view of the customer they've got a really, really bad job. But if you look at it from the from the ecological viewpoint, what I condemn every year, believe it or not, I reckon 150 cubic metres of of rubbish has to be exported from gardens that have, that have failed projects that have failed. It's so 150 cubic metres a year, yes, uh, to be replaced with more products. So <laughs> basically, that's so that's a lot of landfill, and if I can stop that by by producing a a document that's going to be recognized as a the industry standard then I'm more than happy to do so now on the back of this um I've worked with uh, the um, the uh, association professional landscapers I've worked with the um, the landscape um, academy I've worked with task and training academy uh, members of the PGCA as well plus installers plus suppliers and we put together a document there are about 10 people involved in putting this document together so i've written it but i've got approval and and backup from from right across the industry which uh, is has literally being launched next month <laughs> so that i hope will you know it obviously it's a vex subject but it's there the public are demanding it there are tens of thousands of installations a year it's not going to go away so if i can make it uh, so that the job's done properly and and corners aren't cut, then I hope that we can save a hell of a lot of of waste and wasted money yes. uh, and and plastic.
1: Yeah. Now you mentioned those failed projects. Um, you've got a whole section devoted to failed projects analysed. You know we can learn by our mistakes. Effectively, is what you're saying, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. That's that's only just started that particular one. There's only about a dozen in there. I've, I've got over a hundred to go in. <laughs>
1: Now, are the ones I spotted, you—I mean, you've got um, projects about drainage, fencing, and decking—all um, projects that, at one time or another, have
0: gone wrong. Well, all the photographs in there are photographs taken from genuine court cases. Obviously, there's no uh, no properties um, identified, nobody's named, and if some of them are quite close-up shots as to how not to do things and uh, <laughs> yeah, failed projects is, is 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 the word, but. Some of them are, are, are just absolutely mind-boggling, and um, they just, just defy description. i say, I've only put about a dozen in now. I'm going to add two or three each month, but well, I've got over 100 I can put in tonight right. if I wanted to. <laughs> oh, well,
1: that's something to look forward to. Um, now, um, ooh, 10 minutes ago, you mentioned Peter, Peter Seabrook. Now, well, less than a week ago, um, uh, Peter left us, didn't he? He, he, died, last he, did, yeah. he,
0: he di- died last Friday. He died last Friday, yeah. A good good friend of yours? He is a wonderful man. He really was. He did an absolute legend, as far as I'm concerned. Actually, I dedicated the book Buying a Garden to him, and um, because he's just been such an influence on my life. Uh, Not only being a really, really nice guy to work with, because you know it was seeing him at Chelsea all the time. I did a couple of the Sunflower Street um, gardens with him or for him, Uh, but he's such a a down-to-earth fellow. He, he, he. um, So he, he was the one who really helped me to, to, to find my niche in the industry. He said, um, uh, one Chelsea, uh, he said to me, uh, I'd like, he said, you just keep building real gardens for real people. He said, and, and you'll do okay. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I knew what he meant, you know, uh, because I, I like to stand out in the crowd. Uh, and he taught me this. Come outside, said, come and stand out with the public. And so standing, with, standing side by side with Peter, listening to the public talking about my garden. And they're all going, "I want that I could do that I wish I could have that and i, I knew what he meant he knew what he meant <laughs> actually enthusing people to to want to replicate what, he, what they were looking at and he said that's what you're going to keep doing that's what you're going to keep doing and I think the greatest memory I have with him we um uh did one garden with him at um, the gardens world Live it was a BBC garden and um We won the most, I forget, the most innovative or or live action or something, some obscure award for this garden. But the idea was that all of the plants were going to then be taken from the show, taken up to a a hospice in Rotherham. And so I said I would take them up there in in the lorry and took a great load up with my nephew and my wife. We went up to plant the slot, And much to my surprise, Peter joined us and i have never seen such a whirling dervish with a spade he was a <laughs> incredible guy he could work twice as fast as we could and he, he was you know he was twice as old as my nephew <laughs>
1: <laughs> i was going to ask uh, just, you about his work ethic because i mean he was working <laughs> up until the last minute wasn't he
0: he absolutely was yeah and i uh, know in contact i've been in contact with him quite a bit um just you know keeping in touch with each other and um and he just wouldn't stop. He was working all the time at Hyde Hall, working on his writing, on his campaigning. Uh, the, the guy was uh, an all-inspiration, all-inspiring. You can, I think, from the number of um, uh, the number of comments made uh, since he died last Friday, it's, it's incredible. Uh, my wife said yesterday, looking at the uh, the uh, obituary in the in the in the times she said she'd never read one as long as that <laughs> and that pretty well sums up peter amazing guy
1: yeah absolutely amazing he he really was i, I should think a lot of us know him from gardeners world back in oh when was that 70s 80s in um, the 70s yeah initially but i mean of course he did a lot more than that you know and as i say i i know his podcast was released on thursday um and then he died on the friday um yeah, but yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely amazing chap just kept on working um you know uh, unbelievable now alan um we probably haven't talked about one percent of uh of the landscape library um but where can people find all this information that we've been talking about well
0: you go to www.landscapelibrary.co.uk and um you can browse through all of the the, the sections. There's nearly four hundred um, sections, uh, four hundred articles in there. Items, books, complete books are in there as well. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, there's there's two subscriptions. There's one subscription which is for the full year, which is a hundred pounds mm-hmm. or twenty five pounds per quarter. Okay. Because if you just want if you just want to dip in and dip out, but I find what a lot of people are doing, hundreds and hundreds of people are doing, is that they they come in for for three months drop out and then the next month they come back in again so <laughs> <laughs> i think when they sort of realize it is not it is not an encyclopedia i underline that it is a, a magazine you can imagine a magazine with lots and lots going on um it's not not by dump not by numbers not by roads not by a to z at all
1: no no but i find it all very easy to navigate so uh, all the information's in there um now should anybody want to actually find out more about you you've got your own website haven't you
0: i have yeah that's www.allansergent.co.uk and that's where you can buy the books and and find other things um that's a sort you know that that website uh and and the pgca website as well uh they're all all run by my by, by my grandson which is oh. uh which is a great family asset he's He's 27, 28 years old, and he's an IT genius. He works for a major American company. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he builds builds my website. Build, he builds and runs a landscape library. Uh, without him, it wouldn't be there. Well, Alan, thank you so much for your time.
1: Um, it's going to be hugely uh, useful to a lot of people to have discovered you i'm sure if they haven't done so already um so uh, thank you and uh, we'll look forward to that landscape library slowly growing over the next few years Yes, thank you, Alan. What a great resource for everyone. That's decades of experience, all wrapped up into an easily accessible form. Thank you. Once again, many thanks to my sponsor, my winner And thank you to you for listening. Until the next time, may your secateurs be well honed, your beds well-mulched, and your neighbour's garden free of Japanese knotweed. I'll see you next time.